Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice. Crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow up episode for this week's bonus episode where I was joined by Morgan Wright, who is a former state trooper, police detective, federal law enforcement consultant, and the creator of some crowd-solving software. Uh, In this week's follow-up, just like last week when we're doing these bonus interviews, we don't have a whole lot of questions. Some of them are about the conversation I had with Morgan. Some of them are about just random stuff. Uh, But I know Zach and I were chatting a little bit off the air, and I know that we kind of have some different viewpoints on the software itself. So we're going to be talking about that and joined, of course, as I just said, by Zach, who's no longer on assignment. Hey, hey. He's back in the studio. And by Mike, who's just always here. What's up, man? Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. First things first, Zach, uh, you listen to the episode. You have some some what seem like strong opinions about the the idea of this app that, that Morgan's creating. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts, or everybody else does. I've heard them kind of already. Well, one thing I have to harp on you about for a second is anybody that's Patreon, you know, we have the Patreon. It's awesome. But for the last, you know, what, two months, we've talked nothing but cryptocurrency. That's not true. It's a very small part of our conversation. So I had to laugh really hard when you brought it up on the podcast. It might have been on my mind when. I couldn't believe it was because we've talked about it to exhaustion. I mean, like, (laughs) it's, it's been a lot. But as far as the episode goes, it was a fun interview. I really like the idea of what he's trying to bring forward. I don't know about the execution. I don't know how well it could work, to be honest. Okay, why is that? I just don't feel like it's going to have the reach that people think it's going to have. I mean, this this whole premise is brought to the fact that like you have to have these this user interface that these people, these private users come in and input all their information and then have to continue to input information in order to get cases sent to them to see if right. they're part of it. It just seems like a lot of work that people aren't going to want to do. So here's my argument. So, and I don't know if it'll work. It, it seems like we're certainly living in a day and you know, cause there was you know a beta version of it, so to speak, that was out there. Mm-hmm. And it, I think he said had 50,000 people that did sign up and use it and they actually used it to locate someone. So it, you know, it, it, it was, you know, proof of work that, that you could, that it did in fact do its job. But you can also say that for the, the wanted poster in the gas station. True. True, except for this. I mean, I'm not being a jerk. I'm just saying like. Except for this was what I think he said. I could be wrong here. It was somebody from Georgia and they found him in Pennsylvania. Okay. Based on something like that. So that's not going to happen with the wonderful poster, but it could happen through social media. Mm -hmm. 
I think that one deterrent is, you know, so the, uh, if, if it wasn't clear, I think it was, but the, the idea is that people would download this app and you're, you do this voluntarily and then mm-hmm. you input all this, all these data points about yourself. He had the five data points. I can't ring them off the top of my head like he does, but your location, your, your background, you know, where you put all this information into, into the system and then you, you're not like searching for cases. If, 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 if someone enters, a say a missing person or a suspect or they're trying to locate someone it would then if if they had somewhere there's something in your data that says that you should have you could have some intersection with them you'd get a notification that says hey we're looking for this person and then you look around and be like yeah that dude's right there mm-hmm. i just saw him which is kind of what happened in the, the in pennsylvania uh with the with the beta version of it the issue is that of course it doesn't work unless you get a whole bunch of people to input all that data. I think it's a really interesting tool and I think it could be a great tool, but I think that's exactly it. I don't think it's, I think it's being put out there as this vast network, which I don't think it, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the wrong choir. We're preaching to a true crime audience right now. or maybe not preaching, but I'm talking to a true crime audience. These people want to be part of this, but you're comparing it to Facebook, which is, I mean, pretty much everybody has Facebook, mm-hmm. not just true crime people. Right. So, you know. You're about that Morgan was comparing it to. Well, he was comparing it to Facebook. He was comparing it to LinkedIn. Uh-huh. But that's what I'm saying is like, you want it to be this vast social network where you can push it out to all these people. Mm-hmm. But it, you're limited to who are the people that are actually going to go on it. So he, here's my thought. So the first thing is, we're definitely in a, a day and day and age where people are far more concerned about their private information being out in the public correct to some extent right because because we're a weird society right mm-hmm. we're like don't do we don't want the government looking in our stuff and we don't want people knowing anything about us it, it, while at the same time you know posting pictures of our dinner every night on social media for everybody to look at what, what we're doing and where we're at all the time which is kind of part of my kind of my argument the other way. So the first thing you have to do is have people that are interested in participating. Mm-hmm. I think the true crime audience now is is exponentially greater, larger than it was, say, back in 2012 or wherever it was when this was coming. You know, and, and largely due to both podcasts, which I think have really spurred the movement. And then, you know, and, the, and TV has started has caught up with that now. Now we're just tons and tons and tons of true crime documentary shows, all that they even gave me a show, for God's sake. Uh, that any, is a miracle. Anybody can have a TV show nowadays about about true crime. But, but so there's <laughs> you guys crack me up. <laughs> so there is uh, a large audience of people who are like in it, and not just in it to consume it, but, but want to be a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like look at our the massive size of our audience that is people that are interested in crowd crowdsourcing investigations. So so that's the thing. But let me stop you for a second okay. on that. You're, you're right. There is this massive audience of true crime people. But it also gets scaled down to the people that want to participate. Like that is right. a much smaller portion. Right. And that's, so what I'm getting at is there is, the, you know, thing one, you've got a huge audience. And I think a large portion of that want to be a part of like e- even the people that aren't like on our podcast, like being a part of a crowdsource investigation. I think a lot of like the the, the people that are just consuming normal true crime content, mm-hmm. I think in the back of their mind, there's this fantasy that they could be part of the, part of the solution. They could be part of the help. So whatever that number is, I'm going to say it's, you know, there's certainly people across this country mm-hmm. if not, and, and even across the world. But if we're just looking at this app in the United States, there are millions of people that I think would want to. But then, but then we start worrying about our, our personal information, you know, but, but what information are you putting out there? Your education, your location, you know, you, say, you, know, you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, but you got to update it. Like, oh, I'm going on vacation and you put in 
you know, I mean, that's something he brought up on the show. I didn't make that up. He brought that on the show. You're like, oh, you were at Disney World at this time and there was a crime committed right, right down the road from Disney World. Well, that means you had to input that you were at Disney World on, you know, June 2019. Right. And then in 2021 or 2022 or 2023, when you go on a different vacation, you still have to go back. If you're going to be truly part of this, you, you have to continue to update it. And I, it, that's, it seems like a lot of work when people, you know, Facebook works well because it's an app that like everybody uses and it's, you can go whoop, one button. Look, here's my picture of my lunch where I think this is a whole different thing. But at the, at the same time, there's more to it when you, when you're the, up, the information you're updating. So if you already have the people that are interested, right? So that's the, that's the, the subset of people that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then to, you know, like we, in our Patreon pre-show uh, that we were doing, you were talking about, you know, taking your kids to a ball game and stuff. And I was telling you, I went to Milwaukee with my wife this weekend. I went to a comedy show and a ball game. The thing is, I didn't have to say any of that because anyone that that follows me knows all that. Mm-hmm. Because I went through the big pain in the ass of updating an app with where I was and what where I went. Fair point, enough. You know what I mean? Point being, and you, t- you too. Mm-hmm. I knew you guys went to a game. I even knew that there was a walk-off home run in the ninth and that Sagan was excited about it. Exactly. Because cause you took the time. To post that somewhere mm-hmm. because you have an interest, right? There, there's a reason you want to post that on social media. People want to see it. You want you want to share your family. Even I think there's a big benefit in like in things like Facebook and Instagram for just. You know, we don't print photos anymore. This is off topic, but you know, it's for me. It's like it's a place. It's my cloud. I can always go back and print those pictures sometime or look at them later because I now I posted them on online. the The point is, so if you have an audience that's interested in doing this, they want to participate, so they download the app and then they find out the workload. Well, the workload's really not any different than Facebook. Okay. And they're like, I'm going on vacation. It's like, oh, I'm going to make a post on here that I'm here from this date to this date. I just don't think it's all that different. You know, we're looking at it as like, it's a big pain in the, you know, what you mentioned out there, like it's a big pain in the ass. Why would somebody want to go in and update every time they travel out of town? Mm-hmm. But we already do. You're right. I wanted to say one thing too. What if like the way to go, and this is just off the top of my head, is so, you know, there's all this uh, controversy about, Facebook taking our information and uh, using it to generate ad uh, advertisements cater to us and stuff. Mm-hmm. And people already know that. We're already giving up our uh, our whereabouts and our likes and our interests on social media to use it for social media. What if somehow somebody were to just use, or what if Facebook were to do it, and then they just use what people already are already uploading like you just talked about? Right. Because they're already doing it, as opposed to us going to a whole different platform. So, like, he's saying, like, if, if he developed this app and and partnered with, yeah, Facebook, and and then so your negative is, I, I guess that there'd be more positive to it because you'd have people who are probably unassumingly helping this this uh, app behind the scenes, right? But then on the flip side of that, you don't have a completely separate platform where people have to go there first and then interact with it well i think it would have to be like the genealogy stuff where you'd have to agree into it sure yeah and and that's what yeah when we get into the weeds like it's probably not as easy as what i'm describing Mm -hmm. but it seems like that would be a better approach to getting this actually in the real world Mm -hmm. than creating a whole new social media platform and and just making it for that or what if it's it's only from the user's perspective it's there's only output coming to them, not input, right? So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Facebook is tracking information, they're selling it to advertisers. You don't have to opt in, it just does it. Yeah. It's right. gonna do it whether you want it to do it or not. Take that concept, combine that concept with say amber alerts. Mm-hmm. Right. So someone's missing anybody that's in that area, 
your phone goes off. Yeah. And it goes, you know, there's- With the geolocation, yeah. Right, the geolocation. So there's Amber Alert. So if you take the, kind of those two concepts, like Mike's talking about with Facebook, and it only, so it doesn't send your data to law enforcement, but the other way around, where Facebook had, set, you know, say Morgan partners with Facebook and has this software built into it to where law enforcement agencies around the country can put in, hey, we're looking for a person and here's all these data points. We know that he was here, 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 and here. We're looking for them. That goes into this, the same database that Facebook's already using to sell your information all over the place and then sends you just a notification. You just get a Facebook notification that says, hey, law enforcement is looking for this person. Here's the details. And you can click that notification and here's a phone number for the law enforcement agency to contact if you have any information. I think I could see it something like that working because because it's not it, it's not like they're telling law enforcement they're going to come knock on your door mm-hmm. that they're going to you know they're going to come and say hey according to Facebook you were in the same place do you know this guy well I definitely don't want to sound like I'm disparaging the idea I like the idea I think it's a very interesting idea my whole concern is about the execution which right. is which I think you know obviously what we're kind of tabling right now is, I think Mike figured it out. Well, and then you look at you look at the uh, the pandemic. Facebook integrated. Um, it was a page, I guess you'd call it technically, but they were they were my source of information on the pandemic and the numbers and uh-huh. all of that with the CDC linked uh, information all over the place. And it would be just just like that, you know. I mean, they would ha- end up forming some sort of agreement or partnership with. In that case, it was the CDC. I guess I don't know who's pulling the strings there, but yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously willing to work with. Some of these organizations already. So, well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, being the nice guy that he is, certainly he would have nothing but good intentions with anything that he's doing on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do want to shout out uh, from Twitter. Uh, Patrick G on Twitter said something, and it gets into kind of my next point with the word. There is a slippery slope here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's kind of like, yeah, this stuff's already happening. They're already data mining us all the time, anyway. So why not use it? But then the flip side of this is like, no, stop fucking data mining, data mining right. me. Like, stop it. I don't want you selling it to advertisers. And this is just make, you know, just like saying we accept it. And that's so Patrick G on Twitter tweeted, I'm paraphrasing to the extent of this reminds me of a Jurassic Park moment uh, when they say we were so caught up in worrying about if we could, no one ever stopped to think about whether we should. Mm-hmm. Or or uh, Patriot Act, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. 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 And so th- so there there is that slippery slope because because as in general. I hate the fact that ever, that my information is being shared without my consent. So, and I'm sure I'm consent. I'm sure you probably clicked something on Facebook that says if you're going to be part of this. But For it's, sure, it's not like you can say I want to be part of Facebook, but I don't want you to do this. It's if you want to be part of Facebook, then you have to do this. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it sucks. I hate the fact that anything we're talking about right now, because my phone happens to be in the studio with us right now, that I'm going to see ads about. The, I, I'll probably have Milwaukee Brewers. Tickets because I went to a game. We talked about going to a game this weekend. There'll be advertisements for that just from sitting in the same room as me. Mm-hmm. Nacho recipes. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about my helmet nachos. But the other end of that, which is one thing you brought up in the other room when we were talking, is like the the at home sleuth. How right. this is, you know, I mean, you have these people that want to help, but I feel like that's a slippery slope too because you have these people that are going to be out looking for things, and I don't mean looking. I understand that the app only points you in direction of something that's by you. Uh-huh. But literally, you know, at one point he said, you put in your area code and it'll send you anything that's in that area code. Well, now you have, you know, oh, there's in Bridgman, there was something. Well, now I'm at home and I'm like, well, I'm going to go find this guy. 
Yeah, they, that happens to be in the, that they think is in my town. But is that really any different from that? Like, like if it's just that there's a person in this area code we're looking for, like that that information's on the news as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then people, you know, whether people are going to go out and start looking for them. But then there's we talked a little bit about the show Clickbait, and they have like a version of an app. There's also with this, this Gabby Petito case that's just been going on. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of like TikTok and Twitter and and, and social media users that were helping them narrow down where she was at and I think led to them them finding her body. You know, so there's there's definitely some in, in clickbait they use this app where they were, you know, they were they were searching for someone and people were like marking areas where they had looked, you know, all over and they lit up and then they used the app and they were able to end up uh, finding something. But yeah, I think that the idea is good. I wouldn't go so far as to say the execution's bad because really I mean he hasn't I don't think he's quite figured out how to execute it yet. Well, and I'm not saying the execution's bad. That's my holdup is what is the execution? How do they execute it? How do they make yeah. this into a feasible product? Yeah, because that's that's the hard part. The idea, the idea is a great idea, mm-hmm. and I like the idea, and I like the whole idea about where he was talking about like the needle in the haystack. We don't yeah. try to make the haystack smaller. You try to make the magnet bigger. Right. You know, I like that idea. I just have a hard time figuring out how it's going to be transitioned into something that's, that's usable and widely usable and it's right. something that everybody wants to use because if people don't want to use it it's a different story that's the same thing what i said earlier you know he compared it to linkedin which is which is a nice platform i suppose yeah but how many people use linkedin i know there's a lot of people that have a linkedin mm-hmm. like i probably have one i have no idea anymore but right. I don't use it. I haven't used. I haven't even looked at it. I've had one for a long time, and I and I didn't know even until recently that you can use it. Yeah, I thought it was just like an online business card. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like yeah, people use it as some sort of social network. But yeah, it's not popular. That's yeah. I think that if someone like if he just came out with an app, like if he came out with the most intrusive app in the world for this, two million people would sign up for it the first day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Around the world, like, like those those true, those big true crime, you know, home sleuth types. I thought the same thing, and I was also wondering what exactly is that number that we need to, that he needs or we would need to make it effective? It's not as big as we think. Probably not. No. You need one person per town to get somewhere is what I'm thinking. Yeah. To be, to be really effective, you want, you know, 50 million people on it. Right. You know, but, and, and I can't see that happening unless it is somehow like integrated through Facebook or something like that. But I bet you a couple million people would, would jump on it. And I mean, people do stupid shit on the internet that, you know what I mean? That, that compromises their privacy and their safety on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for, for something where no good's going to come of it for people to be like, Hey, here's an opportunity for me to maybe help solve a crime. And bring someone to justice or find a missing person, you know, there, I, I think there, a, a lot of people will easily jump right into it. But I don't know. I hope, I hope he figures I, – I don't think that it will get off the ground unless he finds a good way to launch it. Yeah. Well, you know – No one's going to fund that unless they know how it's going to work. One thing that just dawned on me, and I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but when we were talking about, like, you know, sharing content on social media where you're sharing your location. You shared yeah. that you were at the Brewers game. I shared that I was at the White Sox game. You know, you're sharing to this app for the point of the, you know, trying to get a crime solved. Right. When we share on like social media, like on Facebook, Instagram, you're, you're almost, I mean, you're sharing for yourself, but you're also sharing for the reaction and uh-huh. you're not going to have people, people shared strictly for a reaction mm-hmm. to see what people, you know, they want that. They want those likes. They want those, whatever, those comments. And if you're not getting anything back, you know, it, it, you're going to lose interest in it. Yeah. Certainly that could be 
a long-term problem. You get into it, everybody's all excited, puts information in, then I never, I never get a notification. Then am, I gonna remember, am I going to remember to update it later? That's why I think that, that Mike's on the right track with like, it's just taking your, your location from Facebook or even if you opt in to allow it to use geolocation tracking on your phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think I would do that. I don't want Big Brother looking for me, but, you know, but, but I think a lot of people would. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that also puts you in the other side of that, too. If you do opt into that, then you become a suspect now because you were there. If you, if you put the geolocation on, now they got to look at you. Not necessarily completely. I mean, and if you. I don't like that. There's a lot of. I don't either. <laughs> no, yeah. And Never mind. It's, it's a weird. Thing. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's a weird roller coaster. It right? is. It's, it's really weird, especially when like, uh, I don't know. It, it is and I'm something tr- to think about. I don't want to come off like I'm being a pessimist. I'm yeah. really not trying to be a pessimist. No. I'm just trying to look at it in in the real world it's like, I, how does also, this work sorry zach I, I just also want to clarify that i don't support the idea uh even the facebook thing i talked about i don't support it it was your idea it was my idea <laughs> but i i just think it's the most feasible way or the most realistic way of, of it happening but i do not support it no you don't like it no do you huh i'm back and forth i see the i see the some amazing benefits to it when you see it happen on tv right mm-hmm. when they're like we're looking for this person, and then everybody's like, "Well, let's pull up our CrowdSolve app." And then they're like, "I've looked here, I've looked here, I've looked here, I've looked here." And then police are looking at all on a computer screen with all these dots coming up. I was like, "Well, the only place we haven't looked is here." And the, oh, look, there he is. Yeah, you know, it's like that sounds amazing. Uh, it, but it's, you know, so I, I I see benefit to it, but it's, at the same time, that I'm you know, again, like, yeah, I don't want that information i've also seen law enforcement and wrongful prosecutions break real bad right and i don't want it you know what i mean <laughs> i don't want someone knocking on my door and it's like so-and-so said on their app that you killed that guy mm-hmm. so <laughs> let's go and then could could we talk about for a second the similarities between what we're proposing and uh our, our podcast and our social media you know what what we're doing it's it's a fine line right that's why i didn't i probably shouldn't have said it i don't know no that's fine no you're right it's kind of like wait a second (laughs) all right uh and with that i think we'll end our discussion on the crowdsourcing while we look for new jobs and uh and michael move on to the to the few questions we have from you listeners all right nikki says zach what's your favorite style of tattoo to ink on people have you got new clients from working with Bob on the show? Uh, my favorite style is hard to explain because it's kind of a unique style. Um, I, but I like to tattoo like single subject matters, like like flowers, like a piece of fruit, like whatever it is. Uh-huh. But there's a there's a style called new school, which is kind of cartoony. Uh-huh. And it's a hybrid between like the new school and realism. It's just like a bastardized, illustrative, ugly style that's real bright colored. I love it. I, I know from just, just you talking to you and watching your social media that you like colors. I do. I love, that's what I do. little side story since we're asking about stuff that's not to do with the show. Zach, Zach has tattooed my both of my if – any, if any of you happen to have some, I've never seen a picture of me. My arms are covered in tattoos from my wrists to my shoulders. 90% of that work was done by Zach. And uh, I found a few weeks ago when we were at lunch that he's ashamed of his the that tattoos. hundred percent not <laughs> accurate. Of, he's ashamed of all the work that he's done on my arms. That is hundred percent not accurate. I was trying to show the style of work that I do prominently. The, it's the not what you wear. The bar the bartender. I'm sitting right next to Zach, and the bartender says, "You know, she somehow conversation that came up that Zach was a tattoo artist, 
And she said, oh, what kind of work do you do? And I'm waiting for him to go, that. And and instead he says, hang on, let me look at my phone. And spends a half hour looking at his first phone. It wasn't for, that long. For pictures of tattoos that he's done it while I was sitting long. right next to him. As and it by, occurred to me, yeah. Zach's ashamed of my tattoos. The style of tattoos that you wear are different than the style of tattoo that I usually produce for everybody. But it's all it's all based on what the user the user the the wearer the client wants to have. You know, I try to I try to give each person what they want. That's a big thing. If you leave happy, that's the most important. Thing. I was happy until that lunch. Oh my god, here we go. At no at no at no point did he say and I also did that. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. And then when I said, remember I'm still bitter, man, that I was like, well, he also did those. You he's were like, rolling up your sleeves and everything. Yeah, he's like, shh, 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 shh. That's not 100% not true. <laughs> 100%. I did not point out Bob's arm because it's not what I normally do. Feelings. That's still, the true story. Feelings are still hurt. Mike, you were there. You saw I, uh, all. That seems, Remember who signed your paychecks. <laughs> you get paid? Yeah. <laughs> the other part of the question was they wanted to know if you got any new clients from the show. I, I have gotten yeah. a few new clients, actually. Yeah, it's been fun. I've tattooed a few women that are from the other side of the state. Uh-huh. I've been had inquires from a few different listeners, so it's it's been fun. Yeah, didn't you just say you scheduled with someone else that was a listener? Gonna I travel? do have another listener, yep, that's going to travel and get tattooed. Did you do Bob's, uh, his forearms? Yes. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you mean the, the, oh, no, the, the Latin I did the Justice, TJ did. It was no. his shot, but TJ did those. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yes, I have gotten some new clients. Not as many as you'd think, but I have gotten some new clients. It's a weird world. It's a weird, because it's two completely different worlds, very niche things, mm-hmm. and, and they don't always overlap. So, Very cool. Jeannie says, the trolls, please help me understand how you become so worthy of their adoration that they keep coming back twice a week to eat up your words just to shit all over you in the name of social justice. I don't know. I've never understood the mindset of a troll. All I know is as long as they're consuming that every t- t- twice a week, then I get, we get the downloads. Thanks for listening, as I always say. And I think now we even have some that are on Patreon to watch our extra content. So people are like directly paying us to listen to us. So I don't know. It, 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 it honestly, it doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. You know, it, it's because, because, you know, some are trolls, some are not, but it's having those people causes you to really question yourself sometimes. And, and, and not, and I don't mean in a bad way, but I mean, you know, if, if I have this opinion and there are 10 people that are making a thousand Facebook posts and Twitter posts and commenting everywhere about how wrong I am, you know, it causes you to, to t- take another look and say, well, are you wrong? Like, why do they feel so strongly? So I think that, you know, that's good. Trolls are just always going to be trolls. Patrick says, does Madison Reed make hair color for men? I don't know, but I just found out that that I need it. I was just telling you guys before the show. I was brushing my teeth this morning, but my chest hairs are turning gray. God, this show, I'm sorry, this show's off the road. You can turn it off, by There's nothing else serious going to happen. We talked about the episode. <laughs> but I have six gray ass chest hairs. There, there is more serious going to happen. We have, we have a the way the conclusion of this episode is coming. There is something serious, so maybe stick around or just fast forward a little bit. <laughs> just go to the end. I don't know, or just enjoy the show. But uh, I don't know if they if they have uh, men's hair color. I know it's marketed. I don't even know if that was a serious question, but uh, they're a sponsor and they are marketed. What's towards the code? Women. <laughs> just give us the code, Bob. I don't remember. Okay, it's fine. Don't put Hold the code on, in man, the T- TJ. Slash justice and one slash truth. Oh, depends which right. episode it You're came exactly from. You're exactly right. It can be truth or justice. 
One's for the follow-ups and one's for the main. Doesn't okay. matter. Okay. At least you have hair. I'm losing mine. <laughs> right. You need to get that four men's back so, or four hymns so I can get some. Why do I need four hymns? What do you need the so four can, hymns so for, I Zach? Grow some hair you? on the top of my head. Oh. <laughs> you know the promo code for that one. Yeah. We could get them back and it can be Weaver ED. Weaver bald. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. You guys are cracking me up today. <laughs> Listen, if you if if you guys are listening or not liking the loose nature of this follow up, then you need to ask more questions. This is what happens when you only give us five questions for the follow up episode. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Joshua says, first question for all you guys. What kind of fishing do you do and enjoy most? River, lake, ice, deep sea. He's got another question, but we'll go with this one first. All right. I like little lake fishing, bass fishing. It's fun. It's entertaining. You're doing something. Cast and reel in, cast and reel in. The deep sea fishing, that all you catch is a hangover. That's the only (laughs) thing you ever catch out there. So Have you ever done it? Yeah. Well, I've I've never, I've done, I think I've done it one time and I've done like a bunch of like lake trolling. Yeah. Like the big lake trolling, which is very similar. It's very boring. What were you fishing for? uh, Because you were in the ocean. Uh, I don't know what we were down there. We were down there. Swordfish or something? No, it wasn't anything cool like that. No? No. Um, I don't remember what we were fishing for. To be 100% honest, it was a long time ago. But like lake fishing, the big lake fishing like we have here in Michigan, if you're not actually catching fish, it's very boring. Yeah. And you're basically just drinking to you. It's not there. We're Sound, like, sounds terrible. Lake fishing where you're bass fishing, <laughs> it's at least something. You're doing something. Right. Drink until you're not there. Mike, Mike, have you and I ever went on the lake and once or twice <laughs> on the big lake and spent several hours not catching anything but a buzz? Yeah, it was actually, horrible, wasn't it's it? It's no fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, how about you, Mike? Your uh, your favorite fishing? I like it all. I mean, I've done a lot of it. I've never done uh, deep sea, deep sea, but I've done trolling on the big lake, mm-hmm. which is like you said, seems like it's similar. Yeah, I enjoy that. I mean. I'm not really, I've only done that a few times. I'm not really that great at that. I just usually sit there and let whoever is running the boat, like set everything up because it's a little more complicated. But, but you just sit there until something happens. That's true. It's kind of boring. I do. I'll interject for one second. I do want to go grouper fishing. Goliath grouper fishing. I think mm-hmm. that'd be fun. Is that, would that be considered deep sea fishing? Yeah. I, they're, they're actually shallower than you think, but. Yeah. Well, you're talking about like trolling. When I think of deep sea fishing, I'm thinking when you're bottom fishing a hundred foot down and you're pulling up. Okay. Grouper and yeah. flounder and okay. stuff like so we're, that. Yeah, I'm thinking more trolling. Mm-hmm. But I think Goliath Grouper. Speaking of trolling. Would be fun. We were just talking about trolling. All right. What's your big-winded <laughs> answer? <laughs> I don't, I'm like Mike. So I've never been deep sea fishing. I mm-hmm. can't speak to that. Not a fan of the trolling on like Lake Michigan, like trolling for salmon and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I do like like perch fishing and stuff out there. It's just more relaxing. But I'm a big fisherman year-round, so it. You know, I love ice fishing in the wintertime, in the fall. I like to get in the rivers and fly fish for salmon. If I'm out west, I like to fly fish for trout. I also like taking my kids out on the boat to the little lake around the corner and, and just catching bluegill and perch. I mean, I just, and, and then, you know, lately my thing is every other Sunday night when the kids aren't here and Becky and I are sick of each other for the whole weekend as I've been taking my boat by myself down the river and trolling for walleye from like eight o'clock until dark and just listening to listening to podcasts and trolling for walleye so there's i like it all now joshua gets a little serious and says 
Do you think that at any point we will have more robust, streamlined databases for law enforcement agencies to view things like interactions with individuals or groups? An example would be that on a state level in some areas, police can see traffic warnings, citations, etc. Do you think that a system like that for more non-traffic interactions would help police in identifying things such as domestic abuse? I don't know if they will. I and, and I don't know what they already have access to. I guess I'm not a great person to, to answer this question. I know that things for like traffic warnings or if somebody's missing or if a car is stolen, they get entered into a system called NCIC where uh, where, where people can come up. So like if it, once something's entered into that. So for example, let's say Zach reports his car stolen and the, the local town where he lives, they enter the fact that his car stolen into NCIC, the license plate number, the description, VIN, all that stuff in there. Then two states over, that car gets stopped by someone in Ohio, a cop in Ohio. When they p- plug the license plate number in, it'll pop up even in Ohio and say, hey, that car was reported stolen in Michigan. So, th- so there's like a system in place that does that. But I, for domestic, man, I don't know. I, I I don't know what's there or what could be there. It certainly needs to be. For, I mean, even go back to. Think about, you know, serial killers, for example, it would be much harder. It's much harder for someone to get away with being like a, like a, a Ted Bundy type serial killer anymore. Cause back, you know, the world was too big then, you know, for us to track him. Like he could, he could kill people in one state and then just move on two states over, start doing it again, move two states over and, and they would never connect. You know, Joseph D'Angelo, the, um, the, the golden state killer, he was within California. He just kept moving down the highway. And as he did, the law enforcement agencies weren't talking to each other. So, and I know that now they do talk to each other more, but I think it has to do with if they're you know looking for a certain person, they're connected in some way. They need to do a better job with with domestic violence too. I don't know what they would do with that information. Like if you have a, an, an abusive man who maybe is called for uh, domestic violence, and maybe the officer gives a warning and doesn't, nobody gets arrested, but he's like in a system, and then later. Uh, the same thing happens again. You know, you could see these warnings, you know, happening over and over and over again until it escalates to the point of someone getting hurt or seriously injured or killed. I don't know how, what exactly they would do with that information, right? So, like, if someone's been is 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 in this system and they've been warned about domestic violence three times, it's not like they can go then like go to your house and arrest you or or prevent you from doing it. That I mean, d- domestic, and I, I know this wasn't the point of your post, but domestic violence and stalking is 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 a is a major hole in our system and this Gabby Petito case that that everybody's talking about right now is a perfect example of that you know um our friend Jim Clementi was on I think CNN the other night talking about watching the body cam video when the police stopped them for domestic violence they were called to uh from somebody who said they saw him slapping her they stopped them they talked to them you can you know he's got a whole analysis on it essentially like Gabby is giving every every red flag possible that she's in an abusive situation, and the police not only just miss it, but you know they they fist bump them and say, "I'll oh, just separate for the night and go about your way." I'm like, I'm doing you a favor by not sending anybody to jail. And then you know we don't know exactly what happened, but we know she ends up dead shortly after that. And it's just. We don't take it seriously enough. I, I don't think our law enforcement, us as a as a populace in general, we don't take domestic violence serious serious enough. And if you go back a step before that, something Laura Richards talks a lot about is is stalking and coercive control. Like people, th- there are red flags. You can find case after case after case where a woman 
is murdered by a man and you can look and see all the warning signs that she was calling the police because this person was harassing her and stalking her and there's oh there's nothing we can do unless he you know it's like there's nothing we can do unless he kills you or he hits you and we just got to do better so I, I i know you're you're talking about how to integrate them i don't know but i do know that we need to do a lot better with how we're how we perceive uh, uh domestic violence how we handle the situation and how we take the warning signs more seriously so that we don't end up in in situations like like the one that we just saw and and so many others that 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 don't get the kind of attention that Gabby Petito's case got. Evan says, frequently on the podcast, you always tell people to be better jurors. Well, I just got my summons and honestly, it made me think. I realize it's a small chance of being on a jury and even smaller of being on a serious felony jury, but here are my concerns. First, how will I know if the defendant is even making the claim of a false confession? Most defendants don't testify. Can I justifiably think, well, that sounds coerced, if that defense isn't really offered? And number two, if they present junk science and it isn't challenged by the defense, how would I use what I know in deliberations? Is it even legal? For instance, if they do some bogus tool marking analysis, can I go back and tell people, hey, you should all know that's pure junk science? The podcast is the product of so much more time, resources, and investigation than public defenders have access to, I fear getting steamrolled with a slick prosecution and not knowing the real story. It's a good question. I love the fact that you're thinking about these things. Like that's the first step is that you care enough to consider all of these things. As far as, you know, things like whether it was a coerced or false confession, like you are allowed as a juror to make your own determination about the credibility about what you're hearing in front of you. But also you are required as a jury to make your decision based on the evidence presented at trial. Let me give you an example of what you were talking about where you said that you went in, like if if they use like junk tool mark analysis, and then you went in and told the rest of the jurors that's junk science. You actually can't do that. The, 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 the defense doesn't present. Now, you may have that and it may be part of what's going through your mind, but it was not evidence presented at trial. One of the reasons, that one of the things that really started to push the West Memphis 3 case towards what ultimately ended up in the offer plea was when the um, the defense team was able to get a hold of the jurors' notes. And in the jurors' notes, they were discussing Jesse Miss Kelly's confession. Well, Jesse's, Jesse Miss Kelly's confession was not allowed in at the trial, and it wasn't presented at, at, at Damien's trial, Damien and Jason's trial. So it was not part of the evidence that they used to deliberate on that led to the verdict. But so when the defense saw that they were writing on their board while they were they were weighing the pros and cons and trying to decide innocent or guilty, that they were talking about Jesse Miss Kelly's confession and an implication that Damien and Jason were both involved in this crime. That was part of what was leading them towards having that conviction thrown out because they're not allowed to do that. Even though one of those jurors obviously had the knowledge, he was aware of the fact that Jesse Miss Kelly had confessed and implicated Damien and Jason. It was not presented at trial and therefore it cannot be used towards the, towards the verdict. So the best advice that I can give you is to listen closely. Pay attention. Be objective. You can't be biased in either direction. And I know that we're a wrongful conviction podcast and we lean towards that innocent side, but there are people that need to be locked up and justice needs to be served as well. So you need to make sure that you you don't go in saying, well, I'm, I'm leaning towards innocent. What you need to do is start from a standpoint in your mind that the person sitting at the defense table is innocent and the prosecution has to prove to you beyond any reasonable doubt that they're not innocent 
in order for you to give a guilty verdict. And you just have to keep running that through your mind throughout the process and, and, and try to eliminate any biases. Look at the evidence as it's presented to you. Our last question comes from Jesse. Bob, you sure timed this tech crowdsource episode perfect. Developments in the Gabby Petito case show that TikTok users have found and shared new leads. Sadly, remains were found on Sunday, 919, that are believed to be Gabby's. Fiance is on the lamb. Overall thoughts on this case. First of all, I want to point out so that Monday or Sunday, I think the remains were found. Uh, today's Wednesday when we're recording this. And then last night, uh, it was confirmed that they are, in fact, Gabby Petito's remains. We know that. The story is ever-changing, so by the time you hear this on Friday, there could be more information. I have a lot of thoughts on the case. You're going to hear them actually on Sunday. Uh, now, the episode is not, the coming Sunday is not about this case, but it's a large talking point in it. Uh, I'd asked you guys last week who you, if you're anybody you wanted to hear interviewed, and a bunch of people wanted to hear Jillian Pensavalli uh, from the True Crime Obsessed podcast. They had heard my conversations with her on True Crime Binge, and they wanted her to come on the show. And I was getting you know DMs and emails plus the Facebook post. So I reached out to Jillian, brought her on to kind of talk about yeah you know current events and true crime for the most part. And so we we touch on uh, we always have to talk about our dogs for a minute uh, at the beginning. We touch on what's going on with the West Memphis Three case. She's actually very good friends with Damian Eccles, so she has a little bit of insight there more so than we already have. And then we get into this case, and I and I do want to point out I know there is I see it on the fan page, I see it in social media all over the place, and just in general. There are some frustrations with this case, and and the major frustration is that this case has gotten so much attention in the media and public and social media, and it's not that this case deserves less attention, but the issue people are having is, uh, myself included, is that there are millions of missing women all over this country that are going completely ignored, that, that are completely ignored. They, they're not getting any of the attention. No one seems to care if they get solved. Uh, but, you know, as a, you know, as, as, as they say, the phrase is coined, you know, the, the missing white girl syndrome, where it's a, you know, it's, it's an attractive white woman. So then it gets all this attention. Now, I mean, I'll say that this, this case got a lot of attention because it's, it's, it was, you know, complex and interesting on top of that, the fact that he shows up back home. And, and without her and he's there for 10 days and her family doesn't know, there's just all these layers to the case certainly made it interesting. And, and it's the pretty white girl that's the social media influencer that's missing that gets all the attention. I'm not going to get into it too much more now, but I do want you guys to know that, yes, we're going to talk about this case on Sunday. Jillian and I are, and know that the majority of that conversation is, is talking about the issue that we're just, that I just brought up. Um, specifically, and we talk about some of the, you know, we, we get into the 750 missing indigenous women in Wyoming that no one's looking for right now. Um, and some other things. So I just want you to know that it's not just, you know, just, just more of the same continuing to talk about this case, uh, and not, you know, to the exclusion of all others. That's not what's going on. We are, we, we do break down the case a little bit, but then we're looking, we're trying to look at it from a grander, bigger picture perspective. So that's coming on Sunday. So you hear all my thoughts on that, again, along with Jillian's. Make sure you tune into that. And with that, I think that we are all done with this week's Friday follow-up. So thank you all for listening. Oh, and last update we have right now. I'm looking at, I think I had said October 3rd was was what I was shooting for for season 11. Had some hang-ups with the prison system getting my phone set up 
to be able to talk to and interview the inmate that we're going to be working with. Um, staffing issues, they're short-staffed. And, and anyway, it's pushed us back a couple of days. So we're going to have probably, one, I think, one more bonus episode next week, in the which will be October 3rd. And then the following week, which is October 10th, will be the launch of Season 11. I'm starting to, to, to build it out. We've got the documents organized. We're sorting through them. We've got a bunch of audio assets that we're still sorting through. We've got some interviews to conduct. But it's going to be a good season. It's going to be a shorter one. Originally, I was thinking like I could call it like a mini season, like maybe six episodes. I think it's going to be a little longer than that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a huge, long season. But for a few months, we're going to be talking about this next case, or at least a couple of months, and then before we get into our our next larger case. So all of that is to come. October 10th, we're launching that. Tune in this Sunday to hear me and Jillian Pensavali from True Crime Obsessed talking about all kinds of true crime current events. And then uh, we'll have uh, one more bonus episode next week. So again, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We love you all. And we'll talk to you next week. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scene videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice.
So I think that, you know, that's good. Trolls going to be trolls. Nope, cut that out. <laughs> 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 oh.